What can accelerators do to help sustainable startups thrive? What should startups look for in accelerators? And what do you absolutely need to survive your thesis? Sit back and listen in. Hi, we are Lotti and Emilie, and you are listening to a new episode of the Thesis Talks. Today, our guests are Laura and Sine. So, welcome to you. Thanks. Thank you. <laughs> so, you both handed in the thesis and defended it, and you also, yeah, so you just graduated from OIE. So, that's really great. Congrats. <laughs> Congratulations, guys. So, you have written about um, how accelerators internalize sustainability. And um, we will, of course, go a little more into this topic and explain what it actually means. But for starters, um, we wanted to know why was this uh, topic interesting to you? Have you always been interested in sustainability? Well, I think um, I'm generally interested in innovation and also sustainability and also work with sustainability in one of my previous uh, student jobs. So I think for me, that was an obvious choice of topics mm -hmm. um, to choose. And then because accelerators are really driving uh, the startup uh, ecosystem, ecosystem um, in Denmark and also abroad, I think that was one of the key actors to focus on. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you... Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much yeah. what Sina said. I mean, I also did the minor in sustainable business, I think it's called at CBS, mm -hmm. just okay. before we started writing the thesis. Mm -hmm. So I kind of wanted to try to use some of that in our thesis. I don't know if I actually ended up doing it, but I mean, at least that's kind of was the idea. Yeah. I don't think we used any of the theories, but... Yeah. Can you name us, each of you, one very interesting sustainable startup that you would like the world to know about? Uh, sure. Um, I think like I think a startup that I think is really cool, which is actually uh, founded by OIE graduates as well, uh, is Grimm. They're here in well, Copenhagen. I guess now they're they just expanded. I actually just read that, but they do uh, food delivery boxes of ugly food. So it's second class. I think it's called second class. I know B class food. So mm. food that can farmers cannot sell to supermarkets, and then they make a box and you get it home and you can like cook with it. And um, yeah, for me, it would be uh, Lululab, which is a CBS startup as well. And they do um, like uh, sexual education for children in Africa. And they do it for different uh, computer games so that they are teaching uh, the kids through a more engaging way and trying to, trying to break these uh, taboos there are about these topics. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Really interesting, both of them. Yeah, so again, you um, you wrote about the overall topic, which was understanding how accelerators internalize sustainability. Um, and we're going to talk a little bit about that. But before, could you maybe just give us a brief in, um, explanation to maybe the people who are not that into it about what, what an accelerator actually is? <laughs> we're just laughing because it was a long discussion yeah. about yeah. what an accelerator is. Yeah. But I think the dummy version mm -hmm. of what an accelerator is, is basically... It's a company that um, offers what is called an acceleration program to startups, which is supposed to help them grow and survive. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's usually their programs contain a mixture of mentoring, uh, educational things or like networking things where they connect them to different like partners. Yeah. 
But then I would say what an accelerator really is. <laughs> it's actually because, yes, of course, they run these acceleration programs, but that is not where they actually get their revenues from. They get that from connecting different partners who are all interested in innovation. So they have the benefit, of course, of sourcing the startups and therefore they have access to innovations, uh, which is brought by these startups. And that's the value that the, they are able to uh, give to all their other stakeholders. Mm. So this could be corporates or governments. Um, yeah, like all kinds of stakeholders who are interested in this are then willing to sponsor their acceleration programs in order to access the, the startups. Mm. So an accelerator, I would say, is the, yeah. the very key of, an, of the network um, they're of like the a startup scene platform yeah. business in a way exactly yeah and then i guess the accelerate okay i should have said the acceleration program is kind of their product or like yeah. their service mm -hmm. that they offer but in in their hearts they're a platform business mm -hmm. kind of like yeah. cena explained yeah yeah are there any uh, data saying if startups actually do better if they're part of an accelerator comparing to if they're not i think Academically speaking, I would say that uh, it is still an open question where there's a lot of research happening. Um, but I would say that the majority of literature agrees that they have a positive effect. Mm. The question is just like what the effect really is, is something mm. that people are still discussing a lot. Because, mm. for instance, is it a positive effect if, if a startup that might not be successful in the long run closes earlier or not? Mm -hmm. So it's, it's very much discussed. But yeah. 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 And actually, this whole um, problem of how to measure success of accelerators is something we found as one of the biggest pain points within this industry, because it's exactly what is success? Is success to close down, like now instead of in five years, or is it is is it to grow as many startups as possible? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So this is something that we found accelerators are really struggling with. Um, yeah. At yeah. the moment, uh, in investing a lot of resources as well and figuring out how to do mm. yeah. this, yeah. Mm -hmm. How to measure their performance. Yeah. yeah. I'm guessing also besides the network, maybe something that they also give of value is also maybe the safetyness of having somebody to talk to and a mentoring program, or is that a focused area of people who are applying for uh, accelerators? Um. I mean, I, we haven't specifically spoken to a lot of right. startups as part of our mm. study, mm -hmm. but I would say that from the accelerator side, at least, that they told us that this kind of soft skill or the soft part mm -hmm. of what they offer, like beyond maybe just capital or investment, yeah. is definitely something that is also very desired by the startups. Uh -huh. You know, in the, both mentoring and also community building was something that was mentioned to us as well. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. yeah. But it's also, they also mentioned that there are different kinds of startups that are looking for different things. So some startups only uh, participate in acceleration programs to access the networks and other participate in order to actually learn, um, yeah, business skills or yeah, other kinds of skills, right? Or gaining the mentoring and so on. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, so, I so as I mentioned just before, um, you looked into understanding how accelerators internalize sustainability. I guess that was the, the title of your, your thesis. Mm -hmm. um, so what was the exact problem that you addressed? I mean, what does internalize sustainability and accelerators actually mean? Maybe I will start by motivating why we, um, why we actually researched this, because it's, I think it's very connected. Mm -hmm. So... Um, 
I think as as we agree as well, is that we have some challenges in terms of sustainability that we need to address. And it has become apparent that the startups can actually really drive change because they're able to come up with new innovations and that the connection between, uh, like, for example, corporates or governments and startups is some is a way to really accelerate these kind of inva- inventions, or sorry, innovations, and um, and making sure that they get a scale, right? Um, and this is where accelerators come in the picture. And so far, accelerators has focused a lot, a lot on more like conventional kinds of startups, and they've done a good job of helping them to grow. So we were looking into, can accelerators then be a way of us to scale up sustainability um, right. to actually create that impact that is needed? Mm-hmm. Because you can see it's the kind of like a bottom up um, where the startups are kind of creating the change instead of a top down, mm-hmm. whereas regulation is creating the change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But of course, it needs to go in hand in hand, yeah. Yeah. those two. And then I think uh, in addition to that, it was also when we started out, we were kind of looking into the topic and we realized that a lot of uh, one, a lot of startups are addressing sustainability like more and more. And the other thing is that we figured that more and more accelerators are also starting to address sustainability, but they did it very differently. And then we went and we did an observation at one of the accelerators and we kind of realized that they had a lot of startups who were kind of sustainability focused coming in, but they didn't really know how they were they didn't have an understanding of like how they were different or like how to they were kind of talking about how could we make something that was more tailored for them or how can we help them in the best possible way and so our thought behind it was a little bit like hey there are accelerators who have been doing this for a while maybe we can go and look at what they're doing and kind of figure out what is it that they're doing to kind of in a best way help sustainability focused startups and how could this be translated for other accelerators so that instead of everybody kind of figuring it out on their own these best practices could be transferred yeah Mm -hmm. so basically you were investigating what does an accelerator have to do in order to have the best offers for a sustainability oriented startup right to to basically thrive and uh, be able to to grow and like this we can accelerate sustainability um super interesting topic very very big and important topic i would say as well how did you approach it? Now you have this uh, this vision of finding out, okay, what, what does an accelerator have to do? Um, how did you go about it? And yeah, what was your methodology basically for your thesis? So we looked at accelerators within Europe because a lot of accelerator research uh, that has been done to date is focused on the US because that's where uh, accelerators, I guess the phenomenon of accelerators is seen to have started there. Mm-hmm. So we wanted to see, okay, let's look at Europe instead. And then we looked at accelerators that were doing something with sustainability already mm-hmm. so that there was some kind of yeah, learning curve, learning curve that, that had happened. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then uh, we basically we ended up working with four different ones. Um, and there we conducted interviews with um, managers or founders from these accelerators. And we wanted to really understand the process. So what we were looking for is kind of to gain an understanding of their process versus results. So we wanted to see what were they doing from the point where they were like, okay, let's do something with sustainability to like now. What was it that they, where were they, in turn, where where did the sustainability become a topic? How could you find it within this accelerator? Yeah. Yeah. We contacted a lot of accelerators, like I think 27 yeah. accelerators oh, wow. in all over Europe. And then like a few got back to us. Um, we started off doing uh, a couple of interviews, then we took one away yeah uh, excluding because they didn't um they didn't match in characteristics with the other accelerators 
Um, yeah, and then when we found the base, then we set up interviews with the different accelerators. And that's basically how we gathered yeah. our data. Basically, like, if, if somebody's curious, we can mention this. Like, what we basically did, like, academically, uh, we used grounded theory as our approach. Mm -hmm. So what we basically did is, I'm going to do this really brief because it's very, very long in the paper. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But what we basically did is, so we transcribed, or rather we had all the interviews transcribed, which we then proofread, and then we coded them uh, using Envivo, which is a software, uh, and using an, what's called an informed grounded theory approach. So we used literature to kind of help us code. And then we had like this back and forth in like an abductive approach where we kind of, we coded some interviews. Then we went back and said, okay, what literature is out there that is helping with what we found? And then we continued coding. And kind of with that, we kind of built this coding tree, which in the end helped us uh, pinpoint where in the business model of accelerators was sustainability playing a role. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and here, like one of our challenges was definitely that there is not that much literature on accelerators. Like it has been existing for the last 15 years, but it's not actually um, that researched. So we set out to wanting to, you know, both understand how accelerators work only from literature, because we wanted to investigate how do they implement sustainability. So we thought we can get this understanding from the literature and then we can just focus our research on that part, right? Like the sustainability part. But yeah. then yeah. we found out that that actually doesn't exist in literature. Uh, like a definition and a full understanding of the processes that accelerators are running. So this also led, uh, led us to some uh, trouble throughout our process. <laughs> yeah. Because um. we, you know, in the beginning, we weren't aware of the limitations that the academic fields had. Mm. Even though we already had done a literature review, I think we were way too ambitious in terms of what can we actually cover in this thesis. Mm. But then, obviously, over time, we found out, okay, we really have to narrow our focus down because... Otherwise, this could be a 500 pages. Yeah, we could have <laughs> like, easily written 500 pages with the data we had, honestly. Yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah. It could yeah. definitely yeah. have done a spin-off. Like, so, but um, yeah. yeah, that's definitely some, a reflection back is really being aware of what does exist in literature and where do we place our research uh, within that. Yeah. 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 yeah, but you could say, though, that you then wrote the first piece of theory about that part of that. <laughs> Yeah, I think definitely. Yeah. I think what kind of it was like a, a double-edged sword in a way, because on the one hand, you know, um, it ended up becoming really interesting because we had the chance to explore a very, very broad kind of field. But on the other hand, I think it ended up that now if you read our finished paper, a lot of the findings that we had could be kind of potentially, potentially, yeah. potentially <laughs> be applied also without the topic of sustainability, yeah. simply uh -huh. to say, okay, how do accelerators internalize anything? Mm. Yeah. Because there is no research on how accelerators kind of, I don't know, uh, get a new program, start mm. focusing on a new industry. Mm. Uh, how do they, I don't know, move to a new country? Like mm. nobody has researched any of this. Mm. So a lot of what we ended up kind of having to discover was also potential answers to those questions because mm -hmm. we couldn't find answers to those questions in literature. Yeah. 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 So, okay, so maybe if somebody's writing about accelerators, they should give you guys a call. <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> we can probably give some insights. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you focus a lot on the solutions that the accelerators have for those sustainability-oriented startups. Did you find out what actually mm, are the different needs of sustainability-oriented startups in comparison to 
other startups? Mm. I think that what we found in general is that for all startups, a relevant network seemed to be one of the key points that an accelerator can provide. Um, so that the accelerator really makes sure, sure, but I think this is also more general, not necessarily for sustainability, but that when an accelerator starts a new program within a specific topic, that could be, for example, sustainability within food, mm -hmm. then it's really important they have a strong network within food and sustainability, right? So it's like not neglecting the the network just because now you start taking in startups that are working with sustainability. I think that's that was a key finding, mm -hmm. yeah. for sure. I think also it's kind of this... There's some things that every startup needs help with, regardless of what they work on. And it mm -hmm. could be like very broad, like it could go all the way from, I don't know, uh, sustainability topics or I don't know. I can't think of anything. Right now. <laughs> like business modeling yeah. or yeah. prototyping yeah. or all these kind of things. Yeah, so yeah. there's something that's very generic about what mm -hmm. every startup kind of struggles with that's similar, the questions that they ask. Mm -hmm. And then there's the other part, which is very industry specific or very focus specific, which is like there's something, you know, there's some questions where it's like, okay, if you're working with food, you might struggle with other things. Or if you're working with medical topics, you know, there's a lot of regulations compared to if you're working with, I don't know, Internet of Things, there might be a lot less of a regulatory barrier so then you need this extra expertise knowledge based on your industry mm. yeah yeah so we basically found that the acceleration programs many of them had like a core that was very similar across all programs they all had these like business modeling prototyping all these kind of like more target educational customer. target customer go-to-market yeah. strategy all this kind of stuff mm -hmm. And then they had more specific industry uh, sessions. And for the sustainability ones, we found, for example, uh, impact assessment was a really important one because that's also a way for the startups to communicate to their stakeholders how they're actually creating value because... Mm -hmm. As a sustainability startups, you're differentiating yourself, right, from other startups. You have some kind of um, value that you need to be able to communicate. Mm -hmm. But with sustainability, it can be really fluffy. Yeah. So such an impact assessment workshop was something mm -hmm. that was mentioned as being really important. Mm -hmm. yeah. And it can also help the accelerator to communicate to their stakeholders the impact that they are having through their uh, sustainability tracks or acceleration programs, right? Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like a win-win for both the startup and the accelerator. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. with such an activity. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. yeah, so we've gotten a little bit into it now. So <laughs> I know it's, it, it's difficult yeah. when you almost wrote, I think it was 100 pages. Mm -hmm. um, but maybe if you could sum up the, the main findings of your paper. Um, so how, how do the accelerators actually internalize sustainability? Um, the big question. Yeah, the big question. <laughs> I mean, okay, like we could look at this several ways, right? I mean, yeah. we, so what we did is we created a framework, which is a little hard to explain on a yeah. podcast. Um, <laughs> but so basically, we can try to explain yeah. it as non as as you know mind visual. Mm -hmm. um, so basically, there's three stages we found. So I think one really core thing was that sustainability is not really addressed as like just one thing like you're not either sustainable or you're not but usually you work within an area and then you try to make that specific area more sustainable and so similarly we found that the accelerators were focusing on a specific niche or area of sustainability and that could be clean tech that could be i don't know food like sustainable food systems agriculture yeah lots yeah, of, lots of different yeah. topics yeah. 
yeah, so that was kind of stage one. <laughs> our, so our framework yeah. had three. I don't know if I can yeah. explain the framework. No. But <laughs> it makes sense. It and works, an yeah. important part in this yeah. first stage is that you f- you figure out that your your interest of your stakeholders is aligned, right? So you need, for example, if you want to focus on food, you need to make sure that the environment that you are operating within, there is actually a lot of big companies or government or some uh, stakeholders who will sponsor you attracting innovations within food, right? Mm. Because you need to find someone to actually pay for your acceleration programs. Mm. Um, So that's kind of like the first step. Then you also need to make sure that there are actually startups that you can source into your program because the motivations of your sponsors, which is these corporations or government, is to actually access the innovations. So um, you obviously need to make sure you can actually get that. So you need to kind of to make sure you have, we call it in the thesis, a value match between the different uh, stakeholders that you want to involve. Yeah, so you need to identify which industry within sustainability is relevant within the ecosystem that I'm placed in. That's kind of the first step, right? And then the second step is you have to kind of design (laughs) what you're going to do. And so this is where we uh, kind of looked into what is it that the accelerators are actually offering. Um, And yeah, here, of course, there's the acceleration program, which we briefly talked about before. So some of them were offering uh, sustainability-oriented acceleration programs. But then we also found that the accelerators were offering other additional things. So, for example, uh, a big one was corporate matchmaking. So basically where they're matching startups with specific companies that have interest in these specific things. So that could, for instance, be, I don't know, if Arla wants sustainable packaging, then they would go out and look for startups that work with sustainable packaging to connect them to Arla. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was, for instance, another example. And then basically we looked at what are the different services that they're offering. Um, and then we also looked at how are the startups then selected. Mm-hmm. And here we found that it's kind of a little different term, whether uh, de- dependent on what type of service you're offering. And also, is it the startup that is self-identifying as sustainable or are you kind of determining whether the startup is sustainable so there was like a little differences here that we found as well yeah um and then we also found that when it comes to kind of designing the services as Sina mentioned earlier it's really really important to build that network so if you're working in sustainable packaging you need to know people who can help the startups within sustainable packaging so it's not enough to just design the program but you need to invest time in engaging in partnerships around the program that you want to create or the service that you want to offer and this goes broader than the sponsor that you have for the acceleration program so it's basically like first you need to find a sponsor then you're building the activities when you're building the activities part of this is also building the a relevant network like within that field yeah. and here another interesting finding i mean there are many but we will try to you know pick <laughs> if them. it gets too long you just let us know <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. is that uh, when you design your activities it's also important you keep in mind who is your sponsor for this uh, acceleration program like who is your main stakeholders and here we found that for the government, they were more interested in um, in supporting earlier stage startups mm. because they were interested in fostering uh, the ecosystem of startups within that field that they were sponsoring. Where if it was corporates who were sponsoring the acceleration programs, they wanted later stage because mm. they wanted a startup where they could actually implement the innovations you at know. the end of the program. Mm. So there's, you know, there's different motivations for different kinds of stakeholders. Mm. Yeah. 
exactly. So we also, yeah, so we also looked into basically the different things that motivated. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, we, 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 can, we can stop it here. Okay, fine. <laughs> Should we take the last phase? Yeah, there's well. one more phase. There's one so more basically phase. the last phase is performance measurement, which we already briefly talked about, which is basically that yeah. after you've kind of designed your service and you're executing it, you need to measure how is my sustainability oriented service doing. And here we basically looked and we found that there was like... I think you said this already, but there was this lack of having a, a actually way to measure impact. And that was like every single accelerator we spoke to. Actually, I think every person we interviewed <laughs> talked about how they are missing a way to measure impact. So mm -hmm. what they're doing right now is they're using kind of what we call traditional impact measures, which is basically like, for instance, how much investment has the startup raised or how many jobs have they created? Because they're they're lacking a methodology to measure, okay, how much CO2 have they, or like how much have they supported, I don't know, this SDG or that. So no, they don't know how to do it, but they really feel this need to do it. And that mm. was something that we talked a lot about in stage three. Mm. Uh, not that we successfully answered it. So no. please, if anybody's looking for <laughs> ideas on what to study, this is the no, thing to study. And this is a, like, I think a lot of accelerators would want to participate in a study like that because yeah. they were like very were, interested in this. Yeah. yeah. So how to actually make sustainability measurable? How to measure sustainability impact of yeah. startups. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. okay. It's always super hard to make such a topic that is very qualitative, measurably quantitative, but you yeah. have to do it because mm. your stakeholder want it. Exactly. Um, yeah, exactly. very interesting. Yeah. yeah. And this, of course, then feeds back to stage one of mm. communicating to your stakeholders, yeah, right? Yeah. 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 So this that's kind of the framework. Yeah. <laughs> do you know, actually, if the startups that... Um, Uh, part of the accelerators that you interviewed, do, do they actually choose those accelerators because they have those sustainability-related um, approaches? Or is that something that they just leverage along the way? I'll yeah. say this is a disclaimer right away. Uh, mm -hmm. Originally, we had planned on interviewing more startups, but because of Corona and just life happening, we only mm -hmm. interviewed one startup. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I can only comment on what that one startup <laughs> said regarding this question, but I do think yeah. it's interesting, so I'm going to mention it. Um, but I thought it was interesting because she did point out, and also the couple of startups that we talked to when we did the observation, a lot of them had participated in several programs. So I think it's very, this is me assuming something, this is not backed in our data, but I think it's very common for startups to participate in several acceleration programs mm. throughout their startup phase. And uh, I think it seemed like a lot of the startups that we talked to had participated in something sustainability oriented first, uh, like in a very early stage, and then kind of moved on to something more growth oriented mm -hmm. kind of yeah can, can, is, except, do you agree with this well except for the the climate cake program yeah. right because that one is very focused on late stage that's true but otherwise we did find that many of the sustainability focused programs are early stage mm -hmm. but i think this is also connected to a lot of the funding coming from governments yeah so they yeah yeah so there might be something there yeah yeah But okay. beyond that, I don't know if we can answer that question. <laughs> But also, just uh, exact like we yeah. chose to leave out the, the startup view from the um, from the thesis because we also had to limit our mm. data collection. Yeah. So we chose that we are seeing all of this from the accelerator's point of view. Mm. Yeah. And then further, we suggest in the paper that further research to actually investigate is this actually true? Mm -hmm. Like what the view yeah. of the accelerators of how the startups actually. Is see the accelerators and how their stakeholders are perceiving them yeah. and so on. So yeah. it would yeah. be a great way to kind of attach to this if somebody wants to, to kind of just go and say, okay, now let's find the startups and talk to them about their mm -hmm. motivations. There is 
one or two studies already out there. There's actually more studies out there focusing on the startup perspective versus the accelerator perspective, which is also yeah. part of the reason why we wanted to kind of give the accelerator something in their language. Mm. Because the accelerators themselves are spending a lot of resources on understanding the startups, mm. but they don't have the resources to kind of go out and understand other accelerators, both because of kind of, you know, they might not have access, but also, you know, for them, the startups are kind of, or their stakeholders are their key customers. So they need to spend their resources on understanding corporates and startups, maybe not so much on kind of like researching an accelerator in Portugal if you're mm. in Sweden, you yeah. know? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So. Yeah. Okay, so I'm guessing that in short, um, <laughs> you, could, you could say um, you could say that from the accelerator's point of view, they internalize um, sustainability through three stages. The first one being um, communicating with their stakeholders, making sure they're aligned. And the second stage is the design services and leveraging the resources in the accelerator. And then the third um, stage is to measure the performance. Yeah. You could say yeah. that, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Very nicely summed up. Thank you. Thanks. When we need to elevate or pitch our thesis, we're just going to call you. Yeah. Like, guys. <laughs> too much. I actually have one um, question to you as experts. Um, you are taking the, the view of the accelerators, of course. Um, but now I want to take the view of a startup. So let's pretend I'm a startup that is just starting out. I'm in an early stage. Um, I have a sustainability-focused uh, business model. And now I'm looking for an accelerator that uh, fits my needs. Um, what should I look for in an accelerator from what you have seen? which would be really good for me or beneficial? Or maybe what are the best parts that you have seen yeah. in those accelerators? I would say that depends very much on what you are lacking. So mm. I think the ability to choose the right program, this is now coming for me. If I ever start a startup, I think the ability to choose the right, uh, the right program is very much determined by the ability to see your own shortcomings. Because I think that it depends very much, like, is it really the business side? then there's a lot of accelerators that focus more on educational things than others. But if it's really like the network where it's like the access, like if you have a great idea, but you keep, I don't know, you, you keep having shut doors because you don't know who to call because, I don't know, you're trying to make a business to business business model and you need to access these businesses, then it might be better to like go to an accelerator that's really focusing on networks. So I think it's, I don't think there's one size fits all. Mm -hmm. I think it's very much about understanding your needs as a startup. Mm -hmm. Like where is it that I'm really struggling and then making sure that the accelerator focuses on that and i think i would say i would pick an accelerator that focuses on that is good at the thing that i'm lacking over one that's good at like that focuses a little bit on everything yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah i completely agree yeah. and here you could also think about that you can start up with one acceleration program and then move on to the next one right so if you're missing the more educational things to begin with you can choose such an accelerator and then afterwards move on to one with a bigger network because then you're more, also more ready yeah. for the bigger network. Um, and I think that's also something, at least that when we talked a little bit with the startups, when we were doing the observation that I also heard from like one or two who were saying, I kind of wish I had done this later because I feel like I'm at too early a stage to really benefit from this. Mm -hmm. So that's what I mean kind of by this. It's really about, I think, self-awareness of, of being honest with yourself. Like, am I really at a stage where I will benefit right now if somebody's like, oh, call this, this and this person as a potential customer. If you don't even have a prototype and you don't know if your you know, business model works, then maybe you should go to someone who focuses on prototyping and testing, you know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
yeah yeah exactly mm. and here we also we work with one uh, corporate accelerator and they uh, they don't do any like educational events or they do they do some workshops together but it's all about creating a shared business case together with their clients um so this is an example of an accelerator who they don't offer any like financial investments or uh, that much educational events, but they really offer you a massive network and they can give you the f- your first client basically. Yeah. Um, so this is, but then you also need to be ready for that, right? When, yeah. once you start, yeah. um, like they expect you to have, have it ready, you know, when you, yeah. when you begin, they're not going to help you, yeah. you know, get off and get the funding yeah. for actually creating yeah. it to begin with, where yeah. the other accelerators would help you with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I think you could almost make a framework for it's like what type of accelerator yeah. could you do throughout the. I, I just I'm, I I just want to keep researching. I'll be completely honest because I feel like it would be really cool because you could probably match the type of accelerator with the life stage of the start. You start probably very could, beautifully. Yeah. Mm, this yeah. is an assumption, but I could just see it in my head. Yeah, I, I can know. see it too. <laughs> yeah. yeah, or it's like okay, you're this stage, this type of accelerator for you. You know, you're at that stage. Yeah. You know. Yeah. You know what's so great? Usually when we talk to people, they're just like, oh my God, I'm so glad it's over. I just want to move on. And you're like, oh, I want to keep yeah, researching. Actually, I'm in love like, with this. Actually, I think we several times throughout the process, uh, we're like, mm, maybe we should write a second thesis because we had so much interesting <laughs> yeah, stuff that we just wanted to kind of, I, yeah, I mean, yeah. it was exhausting. Like, I'll be yeah, honest, I was, was really glad when it was over. But yeah. there is a little part of me that's like, mm. Mm, there would be so much else that would be interesting to mm. look into. I think it was a really great experience, actually, like writing the thesis. Like it was exhausting, but also because it was so intense. Mm. But the work in itself was fun. I think it was my favorite part of the master, like by far, honestly, like out of the last two years, I think, I mean, obviously with Corona, I think without Corona, it would be like my favorite, like four times more than everything else. But like, (laughs) even with Corona, this was my favorite part of the master. Wow. It's also because you get to get so much depth in this like mm. whereas you know otherwise you have you have courses yeah. and they're very short right and then you move on to something else and here you really get to dig into something and really get an understanding um, yeah. for one specific field that you've chosen right yeah i think yeah that was great. and we also got the chance to present our findings to actually three of the four which i thought was really cool like that was a highlight for me and that we actually yeah. did this after handing in our thesis mm-hmm. uh one of them we actually did after our defense as well mm-hmm. um just because i felt like it was really cool because you actually felt like mm-hmm. i mean sure we could have told them way more but it did make you feel like it kind of had a real life impact to some degree or at least it was grounded in real life because sometimes I feel like with the classes you can feel a little bit like I'm just doing something abstract and then trying to apply it mm-hmm. but you're kind of like struggling a bit you know yeah and I thought that was really cool as well yeah. like I can really recommend taking the time to present your findings like you know because it's kind of like you have to convince them a bit to take the time but like I think it was really worth it yeah mm. yeah it's also really nice to hear from this side because you know I think this is also really a testament to why you should choose a topic that you really find interesting. Um, Because this is what happens when you choose something that's really interesting and you really want to work with it. So that's, it's really nice to hear from, from people who were really into writing the thesis and really had had like had a a great experience with it. So that was, that's really nice to hear. Mm -hmm. Can you uh, name us three things you wouldn't have survived your thesis without? Sina? I would not have survived my thesis without Sina. I honestly though, like yeah, I have actually I did not yeah. imagine us being able to write an entire thesis with basically never seeing each other. Mm. Yeah. Like we had surprising. we had a 6-hour phone call once. That was really intense. That was very <laughs> wow. Yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> I think it was really awesome. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I, I agree. You are, you are on, <laughs> on the top of that list as well. <laughs> Made it to the top. No, really. My laptop, although I almost had to do that. <laughs> no. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. This is a tough I think one. some emotional support from my friends. Like yeah. I used to go on walks in the morning. I would usually call yeah. a friend and yeah. I think yeah. that was also good support yeah. during the thesis. Yeah, okay. I guess then I'm going to add my boyfriend Jonas. Yeah. yeah. He was writing he was writing his thesis at the same time, so it was mm. really nice. Yeah. What's the plural of thesis? 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 Yeah. No. <laughs> anyway, we would ri- we would write on each our thesis. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> And then actually also having a computer screen, like you gotta get that, like that is a must. An extra larger one. Like not just a laptop screen. Yeah, Yeah, that's true. That made a huge difference. Like don't write your thesis on a laptop screen. Mm. And a gymnastic ball. I realized that my roommate had a gymnastic ball in his closet that he never used. So I stole it because I don't have an office chair. And then I found this gymnastic ball and it is it did wonders. Like for my back, for my butt. I feel great now. I'm just going to keep it now. That's a great tip. Okay, so um, looking back throughout uh, the whole process, what advice would you give yourself in the beginning of the process? Be okay with that you don't know everything from the beginning, mm-hmm. I think. I think also planning I for me like yeah. I it really it's helped me planning. that we took the time to plan so what we actually did is we planned out the entire process like we planned out every single week obviously we didn't stick to it but the mm-hmm. fact that we had planned it yeah. out yeah. so we had an idea of like this is how much time we have realistically this is what we need to finish then yeah. you know to get I feel like that gave me like a sense of security mm-hmm. even though you never really end up doing your plan you know mm-hmm. like I think we had about a three week buffer so we planned mm-hmm. it out with I think two and a half weeks free in the end and that I think worked out quite yeah. well yeah yeah that's a good idea I also really liked every day we agreed on what do we need to get done today And then we was kind of up to us, ourselves. Like, how do I structure my work? I really liked that. Yeah. And, And it was actually something. like a surprise benefit of not working together. Because we had fixed days where we usually worked, at least in the beginning, because we both had a job. So we kind of like aligned which days we were working and which days we were working on the thesis. And then we would usually have a call like in the morning and we aligned what we would do. But then we kind of just like we would not have another call until either the next morning or the evening. Mm-hmm. And I think that was really nice to kind of give each other the freedom to... Because Sina likes to work really early. And I'm kind of like, I'm like a middle of the day person. And then maybe I'll get like an evening boost. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but it's like morning and like early afternoon, nothing much happens. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We have actually almost reached the end now. So uh, thank you guys so much for wanting to talk to us. That was really nice of you. Thank you. Thank you for having us. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. It was really nice. We just have one last thing though. Yes. So before we let you go, we would like to give you the stage for a 30-second thesis award thank you speech. And the stage is yours. Okay, are we, are we just... <laughs> I don't know how to start this. Okay. Um, I, I can start. Go, go, go give us okay. a start. All right. Um, thank you, Laura. Oh! <laughs> for being a great thesis partner. I really appreciate it. It's been uh, awesome working with you. I think we have very much the same mentality of how to approach such a paper and that's been really awesome. Then I also want to thank uh, my boyfriend for uh, sticking out <laughs> the months where I've just been like at my computer desk for such a long time, every day. Mm-hmm. And obviously, uh, yeah, all the, the friends who've given support uh, in terms of it's gonna work out. Yeah. <laughs> And we are in this together, yeah. So. 
think that's my thank you speech. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Zina. <laughs> I feel like nothing I can say now will like come close to your awesome thank you to me. I but it, it, honestly, like right back at you, it was so fun to work with you. Um, yeah, and I guess also thank you to my boyfriend. I kind of said it before with the three things already, but double shout out, Jonas. Woo! Now you better listen to this, right? Um, yeah, and I guess also like I guess thank you to my roommates for like dealing with the fact that I constantly told them to be quiet. You know, I was like, I have an interview. You know, and like stressing everybody out about upgrading our internet speed halfway through Corona. You know, um, <laughs> so I, I appreciate that and making me countless dinners when I couldn't figure it out. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, I guess also thank you to all my friends who didn't even understand my topic but still tried to support me. <laughs> um, yeah, and I guess also thank you to our supervisor Casey yeah. listens and it was it thank was you, really Klaus. nice. Like thank you for telling us to calm down every time when we uh, stressed out uh, yeah. about a question that apparently didn't even matter so much, but we just got really stuck with it. Yeah, and uh, thank you to the accelerators as well. It was really fun to work with them. Like uh, they really like they made time for us. Like in their living rooms you know with corona and everything they still you know nobody like told us oh we can't work with you anymore because corona happened like i thought that was also really impressive that they all kind of they stuck with their commitment and we got so much out of like getting a chance to like look into their process which was really cool